Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome back, Decode, your burnout fans with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. I'm so excited to have my very special guest today, Precious Williams, on the show with me. Precious is a 13-time National Elevator Pitch Champion. She's also been featured on Shark Tank, CNN, Wall Street Journal, Forbes Magazine, Black Enterprise Magazine. Should I keep going? I mean, the list just doesn't end. I mean, you're going to keep going forever. We can move on to something else. For sure, for sure. But no, really impressive. Also, the movie Leap. Her current clients include Microsoft, LinkedIn, Google, NBC Universal. You get the point. She's amazing. I mean, I just keep going on and on, but like, it's just mind boggling. I think the suspense is killing us all. Like, we want to know what makes Precious so amazing. She's a dynamic international professional speaker, effective corporate trainer, and four time best selling author. I also saw that you have done two TEDx talks. So, I, mm-hmm. I mean, girl, like you are so accomplished. So, so excited to have you on the show. I know you've got a lot to share with us. And what I would love to do is just have you first orient all of our listeners to really where you started, because it sounds like you're this amazing overnight success. Life is so easy, but let's really tell them where it all began. First of all, I love when people say overnight success. I feel like I'm 10, 15 years into my overnight success, right? Just because people are hearing about me now. This is why I say the hard work is done in the shadows, is done in the background. And so my story really started in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm from the show we state, St. Louis, Missouri. And I grew up with parents who were not good parents. My mother nearly murdered me on November 18th, 1991. Never liked me, never wanted me. My father was a drug addict uh, when I was born. And I didn't have people telling me I was going to make it. I would look out my window and not seeing My mother told me I was ugly and stupid. She wished I was never born. And I'd love to tell y'all that it doesn't still bother me. It's still there. And um, she did what she did in Nightline, which is 30 plus years ago. She's going to live with my father, who she had kicked out because obviously he spent his money on drugs and not paying the rent so that put my mother in a very precarious situation so since to go live with him it's very dangerous to live with a drug addict if it wasn't for my grandparents stepping in when i was 15 i would not be here and i had no choice in that decision but my grandparents went to my father and said let us raise her we feel we could give her everything and i'm so glad i didn't make that decision so glad when i walked into my grandparents home i smelled good food i had my own room my grandparents twinkled my toes in the morning 
my bath water was gone and they called me Queen Bee. I didn't know what it was like to be loved. And so it was really shocking to my sister. And my grandparents took my frozen, cold, dead heart as a teenager through sheer love. They spoke life over me that death. The only time, I don't think I was ever called out of my name other than Queen Bee. Or when I was in trouble, Precious, Precious the Tiny Williams. Who has parents like that? I thought I was living a leave it to be real lifestyle in a hood. My grandmother told me I had the gift of speech. She was the first one to notice that I had a gift. And even I didn't see the gift. And so when I was in high school, you know, I didn't dare to think that eventually one day I'd be the queen of my entire high school. I didn't dare to think that I'd be the valedictorian. I didn't dare to think I'd be the battalion commander for the junior ROTC program. I didn't dare to think that the mayor of the city of St. Louis and the governor, but when someone can speak life into you and tell you where you're going, so my grandmother did, and she told me, Oprah's going, and they're like, my own parents didn't want me. My family let me be beat up and abused. But standing before me was precious Dolores Williams, my namesake, who told me I was going to make it. I was her golden child. And so my first speaking engagement was when I was 16. Teachers wrote my speech here in the city of St. Louis. Introduced me to the devil. There was some speaking at this with politicians and they're loving it. They're giving the business. And I thought it was a dream. And I dreamed of going to Spelman College. Not only did I get in the first female student at Beaumont High School, which is St. Louis Public School, that no one believed anybody would make it out of the hood. And I went to Spelman on a full scholarship. Went to Georgetown University Law Center right after that. She'll never make it through. You're competing against the wealthy. You're girls who went to school with those who had money. And I was embraced as Spelman. I was embraced. And I started to dream bigger. Got to Georgetown University Law Center. Got kicked out in 2002. Started over at Rutgers School of Law in 2003. Had a nervous breakdown in 2004. So you would think my life story would be over. But my aunt called the dean at Rutgers and said, go fight for And I remember she said, you're at Rutgers. You know? Donor didn't take away the money. I finished as one student attorney in my class, doing all my cases. Since the February 2000 bar, passed on my first drive. Became an attorney in a great state of New York where people said I could never be here. I could never make it. And I've been in the Northeast ever since. Now I became an attorney. But how does a Black woman say she hates something that people kill for? But I did. I said, this is what I want. I'm not going to spend 40 years doing something I don't want to do anymore. And being able to say out loud that I'm going to move differently. And I'll say this to anybody. Success, you will pay for it in advance. You're going to pay for it. This is success ain't free. You're going to pay for it. You're going to have people who are going to doubt you. So I started my first company, Curvy Girls Launch, where there's no money, negative $400 in my bank account. When people said it wouldn't, no one would ever believe in a fat black woman with no Ivy League degree. Shout. So I went to an event I couldn't afford. Pitched the producers of MSNBC, not even knowing how to do it. They love my pitch so much. They invited me to be on Your Business with J.J. Ramberg, but they came and picked me up. The Cadillac Escalade took me to Rockefeller Center and on set pitched me. Say that again. $500,000. And I started Perfect Pitches by Precious because no matter what competition I was in, people wanted to pay me to teach them how to pitch. Now, you can go to the Google School of Pitching. You can go online. But there's something about when you own your zone of genius. And I still didn't know it was my zone of genius. Well, you know, I appeared on Shark Tank season eight in 2016. Love my life died. And I lost everything because I couldn't. I was dating a very famous Hollywood actor. And I was very sympathetic. My story is crazy in and of itself. But without him, I didn't have a reason to leave. And so I became homeless because, I, listen, I drank all my money. I did stupid stuff and I became homeless. 
2017 to 2018, I was in a life transformation, life transformation center for the Bible mission. People gave up on me, said I'd never speak on stage and I'd never do anything again. But baby, I walked in there with a blue dress, a blue coat, and a book bag when I walked in in February 2017. When I walked up out on September 1st, 2018, I had movers. That's how much people gave me. When the Bowery Mission has companies that come in, they talk to us. We had resume, all, all, all the things I've already done. I humbled myself because there's something I, I, I didn't have. And so I learned about sisterhood. I learned about all these things. And when I walked out, I walked into my pastor's home in Brooklyn, where I'm still at four years. And I said, I'm a Williams, a killer. So I left my high paying job. Yeah, I got a high paying job. Walked into a high paying job. That's great. And so I told my pastor, I'm ready. After months, I couldn't pay my rent. He came to me and he said, Precious, I need you to be the Precious Williams you need me to be. He gave me a good, good father to come. And then next day, I totally got my first speaking engagement, which led me to my second speaking engagement at Viacom, you know, BET, BH1, MTV. So it's a Saturday Night Live in Style Magazine, JGL, Google, LinkedIn, Microsoft. Like, I, it's just a totally different. My first time being successful has nothing on the second time. I haven't drank alcohol in over five years. You were past the four-year mark of me being out of homelessness. I restarted Perfect Pitches by Precious. And now we went back to being an international professional speaker. I'm now the pitch trainer and co-host of a national television show. My fourth book is coming out. And they've all been number one bestsellers. And I'm sitting here with you all today because even to me, this is the strangest, craziest, oh my goodness story that started with my grandparents who knew who I was before I did. I'm glad I'm speaking life into me. It allows me to speak life into others. So I don't care how many mistakes you've made. I've made every mistake, chose bad partnerships, dated the wrong people, made mistakes in business, and I'm still here today. And when I realized in my zone of genius, it wasn't motivational speaking. It's been a killer pitch map. And I will help you what slay all competition or what killer pitch. Whether that's your elevator, your media, your investor, your sales, your speaker, and your interview pitch. My credibility speaks for myself. I have enough testimonials from big, the biggest companies in the world and also entrepreneurs, speakers, and investors. That's me. And that's you so precious. I mean, what a story and like a total roller coaster ride of a story as well. So thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, it is definitely something that tugs at your heart. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure everybody who's listening to this can relate on some level because we all have struggles. And I want to come back to where you kind of ended up a little bit later on. But what I know is that, you know, you've had these ups and downs that were actually quite big in both directions, like very low lows and very high highs. And right now things are looking up. You're doing amazing. And it's not- But, you know, I wonder if you can speak to this, because I know that you, even after you got everything together and working for you, there was still a burnout story in there. So tell us about that. First of all, I didn't even know what burnout was until I was in the midst of it, right? So as you all know, when you come back and you are getting your name out there, you are hustling to get clients. You're hustling for all sorts of things. And the more you hustle and you start to see momentum and the momentum is going, you're saying yes to everything. Yeah, I know that hurt me because I know something. Like, I'm saying yes to everything. I hit a wall where my brain was mush. There were no many yeses to say. I could say yes no more because I had too much to do. When I woke up, I was tired. When I went to sleep, I was tired. And I, I couldn't talk about it to anybody because I didn't know what it was. I didn't have a word for it. 
I knew in some ways it was self-sabotage. Another thing is I literally got so like, I was like this. I was always anxious, panic attacks. I had too much on me. And as good as that sounds, like you get every blessing. Some things I should have said no to because I had no time to breathe. I had no time. Like I couldn't take a vacation. I couldn't even see the world. Man, I was walking in the neighborhood, a beautiful neighborhood in Brooklyn. And all I saw was darkness. Every time the phone rang, I'm what, what, what I need to be doing? What did I forget to do? It was awful. And I had some of my friends that were like, I think you're in burnout. I was like, what is burnout? They said, you probably take it on way too much. Especially if you're not homeless anymore. You don't have to say yes to everything. And it taught me the most valuable lesson. Who's in your network? Who's checking for you? Who can you be honest with and say, I can't do this? And the only reason I couldn't speak about was time. I was mentally tired. I was physically tired. I was emotionally tired. I felt like so many people were asking me for things all the time that I couldn't ask for help. And so when I tell you it was rough. And so one of the things that my coach said to me is there are probably two times in your business every year that things are slow. Take advantage of the slowness and go. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not near water, maybe you stay in a hotel for a whole week and don't leave the room. Maybe just walk outside with nothing to do. Take leave your phone. Don't be on the internet. Just go. To tell y'all. So I went to Jersey, right? And I was hanging with my friend, and she wanted me to go to all these family gatherings. And I said, Queen, I can't. And she was like, Any questions you get? I said, I'd sit in the corner, but I don't want to be around people because I speak for a living and I don't want to speak anymore. Mm-hmm. So when she left, I literally called the lift, you know, put a hotel, got a, got a hotel kind of nearby, and I left and didn't call her for two days. I wasn't expected to do anything. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't expect me to talk to anybody. And when I did, I was like, hey, girl, I'm good. I'm, I'm at the hotel down the block. I said, but I just need to be alone. I don't want to be on for anybody. I don't yeah, it's like when, you, when you're when you too much, you want to do the opposite and like not do anything. When you, when you talk on the... I have to allow yourself to say, I didn't do anything. Exactly. And I don't want to be over someone's house. And they might be asking me questions. I don't want to say nothing. Now what? Now, and then you feel like, oh my goodness, I can't say, I don't even want to be around. So for me to get my sanity, I got away. It was so wonderful, y'all. It was so, we were like, you didn't even go to the what, nothing. I was old up and I went to sleep. I woke up, ate, went right on back to sleep. We're in a go, go, go culture. And I know in New York, it's always like that. And for me, it was, I've out hustled myself. Mm. I've out hustled even me. Oh my God. That's so good. So I love that you said that. So when we talk about burnout on this show, one of the things we talk about is your burnout personality or your burnout profile. And you certainly fit the bill of what we call the doer. This is somebody who (laughs) takes on a lot of things and it's really about quantity, right? Like how much can I get done? I love that what you shared just now is basically giving people permission when you're feeling like it's too much to do absolutely nothing. Because sometimes that's what we need just to get back to ourselves. Before right. We can even think about what's coming next and how do I keep moving forward? Sometimes we just need a complete break from the action because it is too much. And it feels almost like that yin yang where like, you know, one side is like doing all the things and then the other side is doing absolutely nothing. Girl, most definitely. And there were no posts, no pictures, no nothing. Like I, when we, somebody said, we break, I broke. I was like, I ain't doing nothing. People calling me that phone. You know what you do? Oh, 
Oh, airplane mode. Nope. <laughs> nope. I love and, it. And, and feeling really guilty because I'm supposed to always be on. I'm like, dude, when I was an attorney, you know, I never had a nine to five. I can honestly say that in my life, I've never had a nine to five. It was always extended hours. But for me, and so going into entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. I understood that we're doing so much brain power, speaking, training, meeting with people. And it's labor. It's labor intensive what we do. And I know people are physically intensive, but I need a complete break. I'm not answering to you. Don't ask me no questions. I'm going to tell you no lie. Matter of fact, I'm on airplane mode. You can even catch me. I love that. Now, I want to ask you this. So you grew up with a mom who didn't want you and a dad who was basically self-absorbed and neglectful. And then right. you ended up with these grandparents who really revolutionized your life made you feel not just wanted, but really special. And yet you came out with this idea of, I'm supposed to always be on. Where did that come from? I think it came from wanting to always be available and also having the right answer. This is school stuff. Always having the right answer. Always being able to be counted on. Never wanted to be the weakest link. That was me. Because if, if you can be counted on, then what? Everybody will bring everything to you when things go awry. But also, I mean, when people know they can count on you, they will bring you everything. That will lead to burnout, y'all. So I had to establish boundaries. Yeah. I am not always available. So please don't act like it. Mm. And also, even with my friends, because you know how some of you, everybody got friends that they always had the same issue. I'm only going to deal with your issues when I'm ready to deal with it right now. Because you ain't really changing up. And also, with establishing boundaries, some people had to let go. Mm-hmm, yep. Because all of this leads to burnout. I am not the one you can always come to. I have a friend. We're both homeless together. And one of the things I had to learn was to take a step back to allow her to grow, even though she's older than me. Mm-hmm. I am not responsible for rent. I'm not responsible for your emotional health. I'm not responsible for any of that because I can't count on others for that right now. If people all expect that on me, it's too much. I also think as a black woman, when I was growing up, I was responsible for my sisters, but no one was responsible for me. And so what that does, especially to a lot of young girls, is you're always in the mode of being responsible, but no one's responsible for you. I didn't grow up thinking the man on a white horse was going to come and get That means I always had to be on point. Mm-hmm. Because so, if he never comes, I still mm-hmm. got to be responsible. So you've kind of been conditioned to be responsible to other people, but also it sounds like it was your survival mechanism when you're out there and you know that you have nobody to count on but yourself. It's something that you have to do. And so you're now in this kind of programmed, conditioned way of being in the world. You're taking on all these things because you feel like you have to, and you feel guilty if you don't, and then you burned out. And so now you've got these boundaries in place. Now tell our listeners, because there's a lot of people that deal with this whole issue of like guilt and boundaries. So now that you've had the burnout, you've recovered, you have boundaries in place. Do you still feel guilty saying no? Yes. Yes. I I definitely feel guilty saying no. It don't mean I don't say it though. Mm. Yes. So, so for instance, right. So I get up early. I get up early in the morning because my best work ends. I'll be getting this stuff. And sometimes you'll get in. When I wake up in the morning, I do, I, you know, I thank God for another day, do my devotionals, prayer, all that kind of stuff. 
I get on to, I know from the night before, I already know what, what the top six things I'm going to do today. It might only be three, but you know, I put on six. And then, so when I'm working and I'm like putting things together, sometimes I'll get a phone call and depending on who it is, I know only five minutes because I'm in my zone of genius or I may not even answer. So when that person gets old, trying to get close to that five minutes, listen, I'm in my zone of genius. So I got to get back to this. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you just never know. It might be a, you know, there are people who won't, who, you know, you know, we all got friends. Hey, queen, I'm doing this. I'd love for you to come speak for a fee now. For You have to pay me because yeah. if I do everything for free, there's no point in people paying me because I have justified the value of what I do. And it's a difficult conversation to have with friends, but it must be done. So you're and basically saying I will take on less. I will be selective about what I take on. And say it again, I'll, queen. And then I, I'll also get paid for my time because I value myself. Right. And then people will self-select out if you notice, right? Exactly. So consultation, people pay for those. I don't do the free discovery. We pass that in my business. So I don't do that at all. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, do some people say, man, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. You're not my ideal client because my ideal client doesn't question that. And that was one of the things that when you take a step back, you start to understand everyone is not my client. Who is? Who are? What audiences are my clients? What makes sense when you're moving up versus when you start? You take everybody through the door when you start. After a while, you'll start to notice where you need to be, at least for me. So I realized that companies, corporations, foundations, nonprofits, and then those entrepreneur speakers and entrepreneurs who are already at a certain level. So I am not taking you by the hand the whole time. You're not on my breast. You're investing in something that's going to pop because you've already understood that business, that business is something that is not an overnight success. And if it is, you don't have the capabilities of keeping it going. Yeah, they have so to have some you, buy-in before they... Right. So if you already have skin in the game, you already understand. That's it. There's someone someone who has skin in the game is going to ride with you. Someone yeah. who is like, oh, well, I just, you know, I'm still trying to figure it out. You're not my client. Yeah. Well, okay. So let's switch gears here because we've talked about your story. We've talked about, you know, the rags to riches and we've talked about <laughs> the, <laughs> the burnout recovery story mm-hmm. and all these really good things. But you are an expert in something very specific, which is pitching. And so I would love for you to share with us quickly three myths that people hold around pitching that you can really debunk for us. Okay. So when it comes to pitching, here's something I really want you all to know. So people say, oh, pitching is so easy. Anyone can do it. So I'm going to say to y'all, lies, lies, lies. If you've ever been to a networking event, you start to notice that People say the same thing, my name, name a company, whatever. You start to tune out. But if you're working with the killer pitch master or you understand the value of pitching, you have to do something that interrupts the pattern. You can't be boring. So when you start to know how to play to your audience in front of you, whether it's virtual or live, you'll understand that no pitch is the same for every audience, which means that you need to be ready to understand what's happening in the room, to know what you need to say for that particular audience, right? So you're not going to say the same things over and over again. That's boring. Number two, you don't need to practice your pitch. You need to practice your pitches. So it comes off effortless, effortless. I always have to struggle with that. Effortless. The reason why my pitches sound so good is because I practiced and I've been doing it for years. The tipping point, my 10,000 hours of mastering, that's why I sound good. But I practice. 
I still invest in myself. I still write out things. I still practice in my mirror. So it's effortless. People can tell when you're just on the spot and you don't know what you're doing. And number three, pitching doesn't take any work. It does take work. And while people will say that if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. You just heard my story of burnout. I love what I do, but I had to get clear on who my target market was that could afford my services and was willing to pay up work one-on-one with me instead of those who like the freemium model all the way through and expect you to work harder for less money. That took time to understand. That took work and effort. And as much as I love what I do, I realize there's a work component to everything that you do to become a master. So those are the three things. Okay. I love it. So I want to recap what you just said. And I want to also bring it back to what we're talking about here, which is burnout and how to maybe utilize some of these tips in our everyday lives to prevent it. So the first thing you said is it's not easy. You can't just go out there and say what everybody else is saying. And so when you think about work, I think the same thing applies that, you know, when you do the same thing every single day, you sometimes get bored. And a lot of times, you know, we think about burnout as something that happens when we are over-challenged. Like, like, as you talked about, there's too much going on. But there's also truth in the fact that sometimes we burn out because things are boring and we're under-challenged. Oh, no, you didn't, queen. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, in order to avoid that, one of the things that I often talk to my clients about is how to keep the work interesting, know how to craft your job in such a way that, you know, everybody's always like running away from their work if it's they're burning out. And it's like, maybe you don't have to change industry and maybe you don't have to look for another job. Maybe you can just stay there and do it differently. Maybe there's a different role you can take in the organization or whatever. So I love the idea of, you know, crafting it and being original and getting away from the boring. Second thing you said was, you know, practicing and how you have to invest in yourself so that it looks effortless. I just love that because the people who really are masters at what they do, and it doesn't matter if it's like Serena Williams or any aspect of your life, if you see people who are total pros in whatever their sector is, they make it look easy, but it doesn't mean that it really is easy. I mean, if you say it again, please say it again, like things that look easy only look so because the people who are doing that work are masterful at it. And you only become masterful when you really dig in there and do the work. That's what I hear in your story. Like you have put in so much effort, hours, years into this business and figuring out not just how to survive in the world, but how to be you, how to show up and how to be unique and stand out. And this is why you're successful because you're not talking generalities. You have a very specific area that very few people specialize in. And then you come in and you bring the whole kind of thing that makes you unique, which is your precious isms, right? Just charisma on the stage, the way that you talk, you share your story, you're vulnerable, like there's all these factors. And I think the same goes for anybody out there that really wants to be successful in life is that you have to invest in yourself and you have to stop trying to figure out how to make everything 
be so much easier because yeah, we want easy, but at the end of the day, you also have to recognize that success takes work. It just and does. You will pay for it in advance. You will. Yeah. I promise you any of the people that you think were the, unless you're a 15 year old TikToker, I guess, but I'm willing to bet that they will tell you what you think it is versus what it really all entails. There's work there. I promise you. Yeah. And then your third point is that even if you love it, you still need certain things in place to avoid burnout. You need clarity, you need boundaries. So I think you have to have realistic expectations. There's all these things that need to be in place in order for you to be successful and avoid burnout. So I love all of these amazing tips and the way that you've kind of debunked the myths and shared with us a little bit about pitching, which is very unique. So thank you so much for sharing that. And Long Precious, time. I'm sure there are people that are on fire right now listening to you, everything that you've shared and what you do. So if those people want to follow up with you, where do we send them? Okay. So first, again, I'm Precious Williams, proud founder and CEO of Perfect Pitches by Precious. You can contact me at my website. Go to my website, www.perfect.com. Pitches, P-I-T-C-H-E-S, by Precious.com. And there you can see all that we're doing, the events, one-on-one training and consulting. You'll also see that I'm a four-time one best-selling author. My fourth book comes out this year. It's called The Pitch Queen. And so my books are all have everything to do with pitching, marketing, branding. Yeah, I know how it is. And you can also find me at Facebook at Perfect Pitch P. On Twitter, I'm at Perfect Pitch P. On Instagram, I'm at Perfect Pitches P. On YouTube, my link is Perfect Pitches by Precious. And also just check out on my website or just do a Google search. You will see a lot of what I have created. You will see a billboard in Times Square. You'll see a billboard on Peach Tree right now. And what's coming up for me is I'm receiving a Lifetime Achievement Award in Atlanta. My new show, America's Real Deal, debuts this fall. In fact, our LA premiere is in October. I'm excited about that. I have upcoming speaking engagements in Vegas, Cali, and I like, yo, worldwide international women of mystery. You are everywhere. And I ain't trying to do that burnout thing. So y'all already know at the end of the year, y'all already know we so queen thank you so much for having me and i really would love if you all would go to my website and check out what we have we have free quizzes and ways for you to really get your pitches together but also hey you don't have to accept everyone and i love what you said queen about you know, you'd be so bored that's a burnout I was like yeah that's how i was an attorney mm-hmm. you see i'm not an attorney anymore yep so we'll have links to a lot of that in the show notes but I mean, I think bottom line is Precious is everywhere from social media to New York Times billboards. And you know what I mean? Like just absolutely everywhere. So congratulations on your award and all of your success. I'm so excited for you. And just how ironic to go from being unwanted to being wanted by everyone all the time. So amazing. And so we're going to wrap today. Now for all of you thinkers out there, I'd love to hear what you thought of the show. If you're a feeler, how did hearing this make you feel? And for all you doers out there, like Precious, what are you going to do based on what you have heard? Now, regardless of what your personality code is, 
My goal is to spread the word that burnout is a unique experience and by decoding it, you can find solutions that are equally unique to you. Help me spread this message by subscribing to the show on Apple or Spotify and leaving us a review telling us what you think, feel, or do differently because of the show. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can leave me a comment or questions to answer in future episodes. And please recommend the show to anyone struggling with burnout. If you are ready to take the next step with me to decode your burnout, go to decodeyourburnout.com. I'll see you right back here next week. Take care.